We're going to start in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I had asked, don't worry, I'm not going to take a poll. I had asked if you were not able to be in the first service Sunday that you would go back and watch um, the first service online. If you've been able to do that, great. If you're not, I understand that life can get busy. I had asked that because we're going to continue down that road tonight. And so I I will touch on some of the very things that we touched on Sunday, but I just won't go quite as far in that necessarily. Maybe we're going to seek to follow the Holy Ghost, of course. This just hasn't left me. The Lord's been dealing with me about it for several weeks, maybe even months. And um, I, I feel like it's 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 where we are. There's something the Lord is wanting to do in us. And so the Scripture says, in the Old Testament, the Lord spoke through the prophet and said, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little, will God speak to... I left off precept upon precept, but here a little and there a little, will God speak to his people? All right? And so this is a principle of the word of God that it's critical for you and I to understand because while we change, God does not change. We agree with this? The scripture says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? He's a God that changes not. And so when the scripture tells us that the Lord said line upon line and precept upon precept and here a little and there a little, God speaks to his people. That is a characteristic and an attribute of the way God speaks. That wasn't just for that moment. Because God does not change that still the way he speaks to his people. Here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. And so... If you and I, by the grace of God, and as you've heard probably more times than you care to hear, if we learn to listen with our spirit, then what we realize, and and I don't often realize it until I, I have the privilege, as you and I all do, of sort of looking back, but I realize that oftentimes... There is a thread that's woven through the ministry that's taken place Sunday and Thursday and Sunday and Thursday. And I I don't always have the full picture. Most often I don't have the full picture. I'd say never almost. (laughs) Every once in a while, maybe we probably never have the full picture. But we see the thread of the Spirit of God. It's why we, we can't ever just go, well, it's just a service. Well, that's true if I'm just going to get my inspiration for the day or the week. But if I'm truly seeking to hear from God in my life and to grow in God, to grow in the fullness and the stature of Christ, then I'm realizing, man, he's speaking to me. I recognize there's ministry that's flowing, and it's not just a piece over here and then this is unrelated. But when we realize we're the body of Christ and he's speaking to his body, then we can look back and we can see, man, there's some threads here. I'm going to give you some examples about that. Uh, Now, there are definitely times where the Lord's like, today I have a word for the moment for where people are. There's something specific to a need. And so it, it may seem that it's not quite in that same vein that we've been in at a time. But the Lord will always come back to this vein that he builds on. It's, it's a progression of our growth in Christ as the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So, for example, if you've been here a few months, you'll remember all of this. At the end of 2019, in October, I told you we're going to talk about something probably the rest of the year. Anybody remember what that was? Body of Christ. So we're just going to keep talking about, I feel like I got, there's so much here, God's dealing with me. And we did pretty much from October until the end of the year, we talked about the body of Christ. And we sort of moved off of that a little bit. 
And then around somewhere in the middle of the year, we sort of started going back there again. You can go back and look at the YouTube videos when we were outdoors. The Lord, we started, and I thought, man, I thought we were, I thought we, these are the things I had in prayer meetings. Lord, we've covered that. But the Lord, there was something there the Lord was telling us, trying to bring us to an understanding. See, it's more than just a message. It's something he's trying to get into our spirit. And so we, we were back in the body again and him dealing with the body and our place in the body and the function of the body and fellowship of the body and the, right, all these things about the body of Christ. And if you look through the last year, we dealt also a lot with dying to ourself and the will of God. Matter of fact, we saw a lot in the last three months, again, unplanned, but in hindsight, looking back, there were several services in a row where we dealt with the will of God, the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. Now, you might be going, man, I don't, I don't know that I remember that. But if you go back and you look, and I don't always remember that. I, like I'm saying, we had the privilege of hindsight. We can go back and look at YouTube videos and see it, right? And so I'm realizing, right? Because if I knew that, I'd probably be like, well, why would I say that stuff again? Or why would the, but the Lord is taking us somewhere. And, and what does it seem like we've talked about the last few Thursday nights? Prayer, right? We let, the last three Thursday nights, we ended up talking about prayer. I only planned it the first one. The next two, I, I say I planned it. I felt like the Lord directed me. The, the, the next two Thursdays, it was just where he, he ended up taking us. And so... I say all of that, we must, when we listen with our spirit, we should not just be listening for what is he saying right now. Obviously, we should be listening for that. But by the grace of God, we should be praying, Lord, open our eyes. You've heard us talk a lot about that too, right? In the kingdom and seeing the will of God. We should be praying, God, I don't just want to hear what you're saying now. I want to hear and see how this fits in all that you're saying and doing. Because he's speaking to his body. The head. Christ is the head. We're the body. All right. We understand this in our natural. We progress naturally. We don't do things in segments, right? We realize we do things in the course of, well, God's speaking to us as the body of Christ does this. And so I I just think that's important. And so I see these elements that the Holy Ghost is doing. And we have went from the body, the will of God, prayer. And I'm seeing all of these things intertwined now with where we started Sunday talking about fellowship. Okay. I'm not trying to make it all fit. I'm just trying to tell you what I feel like the Holy Ghost is showing me in the, in the spirit of how this is all. And it's encouraging to know God's taking us somewhere, isn't it? We've got to believe that. Otherwise, we'll just feel like, well, I'm just trying to exist. I'm just trying to make it. No, the Lord is taking us somewhere. All right? So, fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I don't know why I start with this coat on. It never stays on. Acts 2, verse 42, after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, after Peter's message of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. The early church continued in fellowship. Fellowship is a relationship the developing of a relationship, the growth of a relationship. It speaks of a relationship growing and becoming an intimate relationship. The early church had a practice whereby they continued in fellowship. They didn't see fellowship as Sunday and Thursday. They continued in fellowship. This was a lifestyle. Now, we, we must understand, in the book of Acts, these are the 
12 apostles. Judas is now gone, but Matthias has taken his place. These are the 12 apostles, and these are disciples that most of them, more likely than not, saw Jesus. Had some degree of interaction with Jesus. All right? More so than we might realize. For example, in Acts 1, we see Matthias who is drawn lots, or lots are drawn, and Matthias takes Judas' place, right? The other 11 said, we need someone. And so they had a couple there, Matthias, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but they had those two men that they said had been with us the whole time. So there were people besides the 12 that, that were pretty close all the time that saw the ministry of Jesus, received from the ministry of Jesus, witnessed his suffering, witnessed the crucifixion. So we think about the 11 or 12, but there was more, right? On Mount Olives, when he ascended, there were 500 gathered there that watched him ascend, the Scripture tells us, about 500. So there were people that were, these. this early church were people that they didn't just hear about Jesus almost 2,000 years later, like you and I. They saw him. They heard firsthand accounts. They had family members that had been healed or delivered. They knew Mary of Magdalene and what she was before. They knew they had these firsthand accounts and they had these interactions. They, they were part of the 5,000 that sat when he had the disciples take the bread and fish he broke that fed them all. And then they took up to... They were sitting in those 5,000. They were sitting in that 7,000. They were on the seashore as he sat in the boat and taught them from the Sea of Galilee. These are people that could relate to Jesus directly. They'd seen him. They had fellowshiped with him. You with me? Jesus told his disciples, I'm with you, but I'm going to be in you. He said, it's expedient for me to go away, but I'll come again. And he said, when the comforter has come, you'll remember all this stuff I've told you. Right now, you're sorry. Remember, we covered that a couple Sundays ago. John 14 through 16, Jesus said, you know, you're sorrowing now, but when the comforters come, the Holy Ghost, all this stuff I'm telling you is going to come to your remembrance. All right? Now, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, now watch what has happened to these disciples Just 50 days before, they've seen Jesus be crucified. They've suffered emotionally, mentally, loss. The one they loved and had fellowship with is now dead. Right? And so, they've suffered that loss. And then, after three days... He's risen, and for 40 days, he shows himself alive unto them. He he walks into homes. He walks into meetings. They see him sitting by the Sea of Galilee with fish on the fire, and he's communing with them. And they're having fellowship with him again. Like they'd had before. And so then, they're all standing on the Mount of Olives, 500 of them. And they're watching him ascend. And they were as human as you and I. I would imagine they were wrestling with broken fellowship again. Man, we had fellowship, then we thought we lost it because he died, but he rose again. And oh, how sweet it was to have the fellowship with him again, right? And, you know, the men on the road to Emmaus said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us along the way? That was fellowship. And now they're watching this one that they desired and longed for this with ascending and he's being taken away again. But then on the day of Pentecost, they are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the indwelling spirit of God. And they recognized 
because they all had very close, if not direct, firsthand experience, they recognize this is the same spirit that we had fellowship with when he was here. And all the things, just like Jesus said, came back to their memory. You'll remember this, which I've told you when you receive the promise. And so when they were continuing in fellowship, their place of prayer was, I'm with Jesus again. You see the difference that makes when we read that word fellowship? When they went to they, their place of prayer, when they gathered together and began to lift him up and pray together, they recognized the physical man is not here, but the very same spirit that we sat with around the fire, he is here right now. We know what this feels like because it's exactly the same as it was when he had us break the, when he had us take the bread and feed 5000. This is the same way it was when he put mud on that man's eyes and they opened. This spirit that I feel, it's the same spirit that was present when Jesus talked with us. He's here. He's in us. We can fellowship with him every day of our lives. They continued in fellowship. They had had it taken away at Calvary. They thought they'd had it. Well, they had it taken away at the ascension. But ten days later, fellowship was restored. And so they purposed, I'm going to continue daily in fellowship. Never again will it be taken away from me. And that's what Jesus had told them in John 14 through 16. The comforter is going to come. Lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the world. The Holy Ghost was the fulfillment of that. So they did not view the Holy Ghost. Dwelling in them as an it. They understood when they were filled with the spirit. That which dwelt in Christ dwells in me. This is why Jesus said father. Make them one. With us. As you and I are one, that they may be one. That they would abide in the Father. The Father would abide in them. Jesus said, if you'll abide in me and my words abide in you. He was talking about fellowship. Prayer. These last three weeks about prayer. I think we started it on a Sunday, actually, so maybe longer. We talked about a secret place, going to a secret place and just communing with God. No list, just with him. This is what it means to continue in fellowship. I'm taking a whole lot longer here than I thought. I hope we're okay. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he filled you and I with his spirit, the self-same spirit that walked on water in the man Christ Jesus, that caused and enabled the man Christ Jesus to walk on water, that self-same spirit dwelt in the apostles on the day of Pentecost, and that self-same spirit dwells in you and I when we're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the design and the desire of the indwelling spirit is that we now have avenue for continual fellowship with Jesus. How beautiful is that? How wonderful is that? But the scripture, the way it reads, they continued. It was an action on their part. The continued fellowship with the indwelling spirit, with the Lord Jesus Christ, was an action on their part. You and I, when we choose to take action on our part, we can be in continual fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit. Continual. But what we've learned to do as humanity is 
if we're not careful, we've learned to let church coming together, church services, be a time to come to feel the manifestation of the Spirit of God, to fellowship His Spirit. And then, if we're not careful, we walk out and we go about our day and we begin to fellowship all kinds of other stuff and we break fellowship with Him. And then we try to come back on Thursday and go, man, I just really need, you know, I just, I need the boost that being in the presence of God gives me. What we're really saying is, I need what comes from fellowship with Him. But the indwelling of the Holy Ghost is the avenue whereby I can live in fellowship with him. I'm not trying to belabor the point. I'm letting the Holy Ghost settle it in our spirit. When he baptized you with the Holy Ghost, he said, I'll make your heart my abode. You will be my temple I'll put my name on you and you can fellowship with me anytime you want. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. What a promise. What a promise. Could we thank him right now? Itabashi loboshi arataha. Iraraboko yi aratashi tatalabako. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You feel that? You feel that? That's the Spirit of God that dwells in you. Anytime He's present, this is the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they continued in fellowship. 2 Corinthians 6. How many of you would like to continue in fellowship? What, what many of you just entered into in just a moment there as we begin to pray, what you begin to, how, would you, how would you like to just continue there? We can. This is the design of God. We can live and continue in that place. But I want you to see the word, what it tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Let me see. Hear this. It is the design and desire of God that we would continue in fellowship. This is his design and desire. So listen what Paul said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6, starting with verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And then I want you to notice the words he uses. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion, by the way, that word communion right there, it's the same Greek word fellowship that we just read in Acts 2.42. Koinonia. What communion or what fellowship hath light with darkness? Keep going, verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Concord is agreement. Belial is Satan or the working of Satan. Or what part hath he that believes with an infidel? Infidel, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You and I are the temple of God if we're filled with the Holy Ghost. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. How beautiful is that? And will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Everybody say separate. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. 
and I will receive you and will be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now what we're seeing here is Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, addressing the Corinthian church because he was seeing something happen. He was seeing a break in fellowship. He was seeing the fellowship that the apostles continued in, the fellowship that the early church continued in. He was seeing there was something happening where there was a breaking of fellowship contrary to what God intended. He recognized this because Paul stayed in fellowship. <coughs> Excuse me. I just breathe wrong. I'm not sick or coughing or anything. So Paul recognized this. Now, it's the same for you and I. If you and I live and abide in a place of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then I come in contact with a brother or sister that hasn't been remaining, and sometimes you go, man, something's not right. Something seems a little off. Sometimes that something a little off is simply that they have broken fellowship. Paul's addressing this in the church. The letter of Corinthians was written to the church. It wasn't written to the lost. It was written to the church. And so he's asking the question of the church. And he's... Not just asking the question, he's giving direction. He says, be not unequally yoked together. Fellowship with unbelievers. He wasn't saying, don't try to reach the unbeliever. Don't try to minister to the unbeliever. Don't try. That's not what he was saying. We understand that clearly. But he was saying, don't be yoked together with the unbeliever. That's not fellowship you're designed to have. You understand, when, when Christ went into the publicans and sinners' houses and ate with them, he wasn't fellowshipping them. We use that word that way. Scripturally, he wasn't fellowshipping them in terms of what they were bringing into the room. He was allowing them fellowship with him. This is not semantics. Do you see the difference? Jesus Christ was not fellowshipping the sinner. He was in the company of sinners so sinners would know what it was to fellowship the Spirit of God. I hope this is helping somebody. I don't go hang out with sinners so that I can fellowship them. I sit and eat with sinners so that by the design of God, they can have fellowship with His Spirit and recognize there's something in you that ministers to me. It's not me. It's not you. It's the indwelling Spirit of God. And so when Paul was saying, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, he was saying, you're not meant to fellowship with them. You're meant to come into their company so they can identify with what it is to fellowship with Him. And so here comes the question. When I come in the company of a sinner, who has the influence? That determines the fellowship. Oh, well, I may not be having influence, but I'm not fellowshipping. You're lying to yourself. You're being deceived. You say, remember the heart, that's strong. I love you too much not to tell you the truth. It's why sometimes, most times, when someone comes to the Lord and is baptized with the Holy Ghost and now is a temple of the Holy Ghost, they have to begin to separate from friends. You say, but I love those friends. Absolutely. But right now, when that newborn child comes into their company, the fellowship is the wrong direction. Does that make sense? They continued in fellowship. And I'm praying that the Holy Ghost is imparting this into our spirits tonight. This is the key for reaching the world. 
This is what I believe. This is how much the Lord's been in. You understand, Jesus could not come in the company of anyone without them being affected unless they just chose to shut him off. But anyone that was hungry, anyone that was thirsty, anyone that was longing, when Jesus came in their company, Miracles begin to happen. Deliverance begin to take place. Lives begin to be transformed. Why? Because he brought them into a place of being able to have fellowship with the Spirit of God. You and I, when we get to a place by the grace of God and by a determination in our spirit, I'm going to continue in fellowship with him every individual we come in contact with that has hunger desire or is open to what the lord could do even if they don't even understand it they're just searching they're just looking they're just reaching they don't even know they just are searching for an answer in their life there's an openness there when they come in our company if we've been in fellowship with him we will give them avenue to have fellowship with his spirit this is the design of god you know where we get frustrated is when we come in the company of someone and we recognize there's a need there and we're going, man, what do I say? What do I do? What do I say? What do I do? Uh, man, I wish I knew what to say right now. I recognize something. about. And the reality is we'll do one of two things if we're in that place. I'll default to something in my flesh. Oh, I should just tell them the scripture that I memorized. Because I'm showing when I'm running through that scenario, I'm usually revealing I haven't really been fellowshipping his spirit. That makes sense. And so now I'm just trying to grab something out of my experience rather than letting the spirit that I've been in fellowship with flow out. Sorry. It's Brother Pedro in Italy. Greetings. Fellowship with the Spirit in us is vital. It'll change the world. Okay? I don't even know where we're at. Second Corinthians. So notice, notice what Paul says. He's challenging. These questions are rhetorical questions, you understand. The answer is obvious. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? He's saying, why would that even take place? Why would a righteous child of God fellowship unrighteousness? What communion or fellowship does light have with darkness? Why would a child of God that's filled with the light fellowship darkness? What agreement or concord does Christ, we're the body of Christ and we're filled with the Spirit, have with Belial? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? He's addressing what the church is fellowshipping. Does this make sense to us in our spirit? He's addressing what we're fellowshipping. Because Paul understood and was trying to help the church understand. You can't be filled with the Spirit of God, fellowship the Spirit of God on Sunday and Thursday, and then go fellowshipping all of these other things of unrighteousness and darkness and the sons of Belial or Belial throughout the rest of your week and just think it all balances out. What does righteousness have to do with unrighteousness? You have to continue steadfastly in fellowship. Let's pray again. Come on, talk to the Lord. Jesus, in your name, you desire this in us and with us. And this people, you know, we desire this place of fellowship. I pray the examining of our places of fellowship in our heart, in our minds, in our soul, in our spirit by the word of God tonight.
I want pure abiding fellowship with you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This was so much a concern with Paul in the Corinthian church that he followed all of those questions with a direct statement again. His questions and then his next statement was a declaration that I recognize you are fellowshipping unrighteousness. You are fellowshipping darkness. You are fellowshipping Belial. You are fellowshipping idols. And so his admonition and instruction to them was, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Notice, Paul was speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So much so, he didn't just write those words. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. This is how God feels about fellowship. I'm going to... Some of you are getting ready to shut me out right now because you're going to say, oh, he's on one of those kicks again. That's all right. Well, it's not all right, but. Probably the largest avenue of fellowship, well, there's many, but in our world today is social media. And what we fellowship through social media more often than not is unrighteousness, darkness, idols, Belial. More often than not, consumerism, materialism, self-fulfillment, self, self, self. That's not righteousness. That's not of God. Or the communication that's out there, half-truth, mistruth, misinformation, that's not of God. You say, well, it's, it's harmless. It's just, it's not harmless because it's fellowshipping something. You understand? This is what the apostle... And so, if I can't be guided by the... Now, some people would say, well, man... There's some people who will preach and teach and say, you know what? Bless God, here's the rule in this church. You won't have Facebook, you won't have Instagram, you won't have Twitter, you won't have... You fill out all, there's about 50 different ones now or more, I'm sure. Obviously, that's not the stance that we take. The position that I take is this. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I can trust that I'll be obedient to the Holy Ghost and have accountabilities in place. Or I'll just go, you know what? I'm making a rule for myself because I'm going to be separated unto the Lord. And so, therefore, I'm cutting it off. Jesus said, if your hand offends you, cut it off. Why would you open a door that you know you can't control? That gives avenue to unrighteousness, darkness, idols, Belial. Even greater, why would you open that door to your children? I'm talking about fellowship with him. Remember where we started in Acts? I, I realize we turned, but it's all about where we started in Acts. Fellowship with him. Okay? Everybody stand for a minute. Is it warm in here or is it just me? It is warm. See, I knew this. I heard that, this echo across the room. It's warm. Could we turn that thing off, please? Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Raise your hand if it's warm. Raise your hand if it's cold. Raise your hand if it's just right. So we're about the just right crew. So we can turn those off. It'll be fine. But we're not going to turn the heat down. Okay. Praise God. Now, why don't you just raise your hands and stretch for a minute.
however you need to, okay? I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to take a little bit longer tonight. There, there's these things in my spirit I, I have to share, okay? All right, you can be seated. If you feel yourself dozing because you are warm, feel free to stretch. Feel free to stand up alongside the wall. Feel free to stand at the back if that helps you stay awake. Through. You're not going to bother me, okay? We, we need to walk through these, the word tonight. It's where we are. It's a critical hour. It's a critical hour. Okay? All right, so Paul's addressing this separation unto the Lord. He says, separate, come out from among the bees, separate, and touch not the unclean thing. Interesting thing about that passage right there, touch not the unclean thing. Anybody ever seen a... Uh, a building that has ivy growing and the ivy starts growing on the building. It just attaches and spreads and it covers the side of a building. Anybody ever seen that? I know it's so like romantic and beautiful like in English countryside and all that. It's like, oh, right? Some ladies just love that stuff. Brother Rigo loves it. I, I know. No, I'm sorry, mate. I'm kidding. I just saw him laugh back there. So. Uh, what's interesting about those words right there in Corinthians that Paul used, the Greek word that he used there that says, touch not the unclean thing. It's the word that would be like that vine that could touch the brick. And once it touches it, it now begins attaching itself to it and using it as a method to grow and spread. The same Greek word that he used there when he said, touch not the unclean thing. In other words, don't get in the proximity of it enough that it could attach to you and then begin to grow. Just separate. You know, the Word of God still teaches separation from the world. We're not called to look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world, sound like the world, smell like the world. Fill in the blank. We should be representative of the body of Christ. And hear me. I'm not talking about get the outside all looking good but never deal with the heart. We better deal with the heart and the internal and all that stuff inside that's fellowship. And when we do that, everything else comes in alignment. Fellowship. What are you and I fellowshipping? What YouTube videos do you watch? What subscriptions do you have that you stream? What entertainment are you giving yourself to? It's fellowship. It's fellowship. And what you're fellowshipping and what I'm fellowshipping affects my spirit and affects my relationship with God. Some of you have heard me share this story before, but it's quick into my mind right now. Years ago, we still lived in Puyallup, so that gives you a timeline, probably 16, 17 years ago. My kids were smaller, obviously. And uh, we had bought some cheap two, three, four dollar DVDs at Walmart, you know, entertain our kids. And I thought, you know, Lucille Ball, she's funny, harmless, clean, no problem. Bought that cheap Lucille Ball DVD, threw it in, the kids were. I'm in the kitchen with my wife. It's separate. They're in another room around the corner. Got it in. Watch it. And I hear it. I don't, I don't remember what she said. I don't know that I even fully heard the words distinctly. I'm just in the kitchen with my wife, and I'm like, what are they watching? Like, just like the Lucy DVDs we bought. I'm like, not anymore. It wasn't like, I love Lucy. Some of you are like, oh, no, I love Lucy. He's talking about... It, um, and I'm not condoning that either. I don't know. I, but it was like, she was, it was a show later in her life. She was on like an office show. She was like an office receptionist or something. So anyway, whatever, what I felt in my spirit, it was such sarcasm. And, and it grated on my spirit so much just in those few seconds that I heard that I'm like, there's no way my kids are watching that. I don't care if it's rated triple G, like for age zero and up. 
I'm not looking at the rating. I'm measuring the content with my spirit. And my spirit said, that sarcasm that's there has a spiritual root. And I'm not allowing my children to sit and just take that in. It will affect their life. Gone. I'm talking about what we're fellowshipping. It affects us every single day of our life. Okay, I'm really trying to hurry. Let's, let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 7. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, be not ye therefore, Ephesians 5 and 7. Or verse 6, let's go to, well, he's already on 7. I know they love it when I do that because they start it where, there we go, verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Anybody want to be deceived? No, I don't either. Paul said, don't let a man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. I'm not interested in the wrath of God coming on me either. I don't want to be a child of disobedience. Verse 7, be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. If you're light in the Lord, walk like it, is what he just said. Amen? Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, the fruit of the Spirit comes from fellowship with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And it proves, verse 10, what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship. Everybody say, no fellowship. What does no mean? None, not, zero, none, not a, all, all those words. Zilch. Have no fellowship. With the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather reprove them. Some of what you're hearing tonight is me reproving them. Reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. Why? Verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things. Which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by what? The light. You're children of the light. You're supposed to walk in the light. And so what happens? You get in the company of someone that's fellowshipping darkness. Your light begins to reprove them. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into rooms and meetings. And, and I think I'm a pretty easygoing guy, you know, like in a public setting and in any setting, I try to be a pretty easygoing guy. And, you know, I don't walk into work meetings preaching and holding my Bible and doing anything like that. And so, you know, I, I try to be humorous and easy to get along with. And so I'll have people after people after people after people tell me, and I don't know, Joel, you're just really intimidating. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not intimidating. I'm not. I'm an introvert. I'm not intimidating. It is the Spirit of God that reproves works of darkness. And hear me. Darkness is intimidated by light. Now you understand, I don't try to intimidate. I want to love people. But I want to be the influence in the room. I don't go in there going, I'm the influence. You don't either. But when we fellowship him, when we're in continual fellowship with Jesus that dwells in us of whose body we're a part, we walk into a room and light manifests itself and it reproves darkness. That's what Paul's talking about. For whatsoever makes manifest is light. Keep going, verse 14. No, that's good. Verse 13 is good. You can keep reading that whole chapter, but we'll stop there for sake of time. Go with me to 2 Peter. I'm moving quick. I'm skipping all kinds of good stuff. 
I mean, it's all good stuff, but. Second Peter chapter two. Now watch this. I want you to see the effect of fellowship on a life. Because we don't see this. We, we think, oh, no, I can handle it. I can balance it. I can. No, no, it's, it's, it's really, it's okay. It's okay. I, I can touch the unclean thing, but it won't attach itself and grow like the vine on the wall. I'm in control. Right. No, you're not. No, I'm not. I can't fellowship darkness and be in control. Doesn't work that way. If it worked that way, why would people ever backslide? They backslide because they fall. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 5 about let no man deceive you? They get deceived. No big deal. You can, I mean, come on. You know, he's 50. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Why do you listen to those guys? No, no, the word of God. And so we fellowship darkness like, no, I'm in control. I mean, like I still pray. I still read my Bible. I go to church most of the time. And, and so, no, I can handle this. Why? Why would I fellowship darkness? I'm light. Why would I fellowship unrighteousness? Scripture says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven. According to the word of God, the wages of sin is death. How much sin does it take to be in my life to be death? I mean, like, am I good if I only have this much sin? But, you know, like there's a threshold where God says, okay, you know, I'll tolerate that much sin. No. That's what he's talking about with fellowship. Okay. Second Peter 2. Man, I'm really trying to hurry. Verse number six, watch this. We talked a few weeks ago about Sodom and Gomorrah, remember? Entanglements of Sodom. Here we are again. Second Peter 2, verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow. Why did he do that? Notice what it says. Making them an example or an ensample. Same thing, an example, an ensample. So Sodom and Gomorrah were an example Unto those that afterward, in the future, would live ungodly. Okay, but let's keep going. Verse 7. And delivered just Lot. Now the word there, just Lot, doesn't mean delivered only Lot. If it was only Lot, we wouldn't have seen Lot and his two daughters going out. The word just Lot there is describing Lot. He was just you with me? Delivered just Lot. Lot, a just man. But watch what it says about this just man. He was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Conversation there means the lifestyle. That word vexed there means Lot was tired down with toil, like somebody who's just worked and labored all they can, and they just can't do it anymore. Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand. You ever come home from a day of work, and I don't mean you're just tired because you worked all day. I mean, you're like, you feel like all day long you've been, you've been fighting off stuff. Man, person over here with a foul mouth, person over here that's got this negative attitude, person over here that's this, and, and you're, you're trying to just, man, just plow on through your day. And it's not so much the physicalness. It's just like, man, I've just been, under, it just feels like all day everything's coming at me. Anybody ever felt that way? Maybe you can't raise your hand. If you're, yeah, yeah. That, that's okay. Guess what? You're human and you live in a real world. It's a spirit world that's real. Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That's what happens when we spend all of our, that's why we need to stay in continual fellowship with him. Because, yeah, I'm going to go into the world, and man, it's going to, man, it's going to start hammering me from every side. Thank God he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world, but i got to stay in fellowship with him. But that's where Lot is. And here's the problem. Lot didn't take himself out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He stayed there. 
And so he's now vexed. He was a just man, but he's vexed. It's because of where he stayed in fellowship. Look at the next verse, 8. For that righteous man, he was just, he was righteous. You think about it, it's all good. Oh, yeah, he was just and he was righteous, but he was dwelling among them. Fellowship. And in seeing and hearing, it vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unrighteous deeds. What's interesting is the word vexed in verse 8 is different than the word vexed in verse 7. In verse 8, it literally means grievous pains in the body or in the mind to be tormented. Because he dwelt among them. Because he saw and he heard every day. When I see that, I think of social media. Seeing and hearing, seeing and hearing, seeing and hearing. And as a result, His righteous soul was tormented. His righteous soul had pain. He was grievously pained in his mind. That's the word the writer used, Peter used. Because he saw and he heard. This is the effect of fellowship with darkness. I don't care if you're righteous and you're just, Lot. If you keep dwelling there. You better hope that God has the mercy he had on Lot and sends an angel to rescue you or you'll be destroyed in Sodom and Gomorrah. I know that's sobering, but I feel such a warning of the Holy Ghost. We better fellowship him. He's inviting us. There is an invitation of the Spirit of God to every one of us to a place of daily continued fellowship that will change our world. But the God of this world would deceive us into thinking we can fellowship with the things of this world and still be in fellowship with God and it all work out okay. Okay. Let's finish up here. 1 John chapter 3, or no, 1 John chapter 1. Verse 3. 1 John 1 and 3. The Apostle John said, That which we have seen and heard, and I know we shared this on Sunday, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. We declared this to you because we wanted to have fellowship with you. And if you read the few verses before, they were declaring Jesus Christ to them. We've touched, we've seen, we've handled the word of life, he called him. He said, we declare to you. We do this so you can have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. If you want to have fellowship with us... Truly the fellowship with with Jesus Christ. We're declaring him to you so you can be filled with his spirit. And when you're filled with his spirit, you'll fellowship him. And when you and I both have fellowship with him, we'll have fellowship with one another. You say, man, I don't know, Brother Hart. You know, I try. I just don't feel so connected to the body anymore. Nobody's ever going to tell me that anymore now, but no, hear me, please hear me, precious people, I love you. When you begin to feel that disconnect from the body, it's usually an indicator that fellowship is broken. I've started fellowshipping other things more. I've heard people make statements like, I don't know, I'm just more comfortable around my friends at work than I am people in the church. What's happening? Fellowship. 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 Truly our fellowship. But watch this, verse 4. And these things we write to you so that your joy may be full. Fellowship with him. Allows fellowship with you. And it brings joy. I love joy. 
This then is the message which we've heard of him. Stand with me, please. This then is the message which we've heard of him and we declare to you. Notice we read earlier, Paul was writing, John's writing here. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, remember Paul said, if you're of the light, you should walk in it. John said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's a pretty big benefit of fellowship. Joy, cleansing from all sin, fellowship with one another. Fellowship. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 13. I want to close with this. One of the children's giving us a signal. Some parent sent their kid back out there and said, here's a way. Oh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Thank you. You've been patient. It's only 10 after 8. You guys usually always hang out till 8.30, 8.40 anyway, and I leave about 5 till 9, so I know you got, you know, I know how this works. So if you guys are thinking, man, I'm, I, it really went long, you hang out anyway. Watch what Paul said at the close of 2 Corinthians 13. Two letters. This is the final verse of the letter in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost. That word communion there, guess what it means? Fellowship. This was how he closed out his letter to the church at Corinth. Let the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, let the love of God, and let the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. This is my prayer for each one of us. Let the grace of the Lord Jesus and let the love of God and let the fellowship or communion of the Holy Ghost be with us all. Can we talk to him right now? Come on, where he has talked to your heart and mind tonight. Jesus wants fellowship with you and I. He wants communion with you and I. He wants continual. He filled you and me with his spirit so that any time we could be in fellowship with him. Don't be deceived and drawn into the fellowship of the world. Moses, it was said of Moses, he chose to endure the affliction of the righteous rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, even for a season. He understood, I don't want fellowship with Egypt. I don't want fellowship with all that Pharaoh would offer me. I don't want fellowship with the things of this world. I recognize there's something greater that God is offering me. And I don't want to compromise it by fellowshipping the world and the things of the world. Oh God, we desire this place of communion with you. We want to abide in this place of fellowship with you. That when we come in the company of unbelievers, there would be a fellowship given them with you and your spirit. In the name of Jesus, that when I come in the company of a brother and a sister, because we together have been in communion with you, there would be sweet fellowship one with another. According to your will and your design, in the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus. I mean, he's inviting you. He's inviting me. These invitations to prayer the last few weeks. Uh, this call of the Spirit of God upon my life and yours. It is a call from the Lord Jesus saying, I want a place of abiding fellowship with you. I filled you with my Spirit so that we could commune consistently. 
I filled you with my spirit so that you could walk in light. This is the plan, the design, the desire of the Lord Jesus. Fellowship. Fellowship with him. Intimate relationship with him. Abiding relationship with him. And when we come into that place, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. In a place of fellowship, there's no condemnation. In a place of fellowship, our sins are washed away. In a place of fellowship, there's joy. In a place of fellowship, there's peace. In a place of fellowship, there's light. Come on, in a place of fellowship with Him, all these things that my soul and your desire and yours desires, it's found in a place of fellowship. Not temporarily, not on Sunday and Thursday, but every day of my life. You understand, you can lay your head on the pillow and go to sleep, and you can sleep in fellowship with Him. You can wake up in fellowship with Him. You can be sitting at your desk or working at your station, and you can be in fellowship. With him. With him. I don't know if I ever freak my kids out or not. Just because they sort of grown up this way. But. Every once in a while I've been known to just sort of just break out in prayer. In different places in our home. I don't care what they're doing. We may be all sitting in the living room, some of them doing one thing, somebody else is doing another. I may be sitting over there, and I'm. they give me a hard time because sometimes it's later at night, I'm starting to doze off. But I'll wake up or doze back awake, whatever that is. I'll just be talking to him. He don't care if I fall asleep. No, I shouldn't be sleeping all the time. I should be understanding that. We can have a place of fellowship with him. He wants this with you and I. Every one of us. Every one of us. What you're feeling is two things tonight. It's all the spirit of God, but you're feeling two things. Some of you, you're dealing with some conviction. And that's okay. That's the love of God. Love brings conviction. He's convicting us about what we've been fellowshipping. And you're dealing with the invitation of the Spirit of God. Saying, I want fellowship with you. I want this with you. It'll change your world. And it'll change the world around you. Thank you tonight for your patience. It's 8.17. If you hurry, you'll still get out by 8.30 or 8.40. <laughs> I cut into your visiting time.